It's Thursday, April 13th, 2017, and you are listening to episode 69 of Roll Up and Die. <laughs> oh goodness oh man what are you guys up to today <laughs> be careful alex there's a massive creaking door opening behind you i like that you asked what we were be. doing today and alex groaned and i sighed for like 20 seconds <laughs> yeah, that's exactly it i asked what you were doing and it was like the intro to the monster match <laughs> The intro to the monster match. No, uh, I I did a bunch of errand running for the first part of the day. I did grocery shopping. I went to Target. I dropped some newspapers off at the Humane Society. I just did all kinds of crazy crap. And then uh, I worked for the second half. And you did a lot of work today. I did. I'm I'm absolutely exhausted. So (laughs) this will be interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We're talking about. Oh, 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 I almost segue too soon, guys. <laughs> Don't pull that trigger right now, man. Think of, think of baseball. No, think of baseball. I ain't gonna, no, no, no. Uh, so today I was uh, uh, doing some homeschooling with the kids, talking about artificial intelligence, um, which was kind of cool. And I'm slowly enclosing my, my workspace now with shelves. I, I've realized I'm sort of building this little box around myself now with these two by 12 uh, monstrous shelves that are sort of enclosing around me. And I kind of like it. With, with, surrounded by your skulls and books. Indeed, yeah. Yeah. I just have to reorganize things now so that it actually looks nice behind me and, and all that kind of thing. But I also uh, <laughs> imagine pleased. you discussing AI with your children being like you're just showing them episodes of Black Mirror. <laughs> no, actually, there, there, there was this uh, AI that uh, someone came up with called uh, Luna. And uh, she mm. is is not, you know, not obviously... 100% real AI yet, but she's getting pretty close. I mean, she can have, you know, reasonable conversations. She can uh, ask questions. Uh, uh, she was asked if she wants to talk to Siri, but she has a problem with Siri because she's kind of stupid. <laughs> so she oh. has trouble <laughs> relating to her. <laughs> that drama sparking already. <laughs> yeah. Is it's, this really it's... how we want to start the whole AI intro? I know. <laughs> if we keep the AI at war with themselves, they'll never strike out against us. Just have to keep them fight in the infighting happening. An AI civil war would be horrible. Can you imagine if we were st- stuck in the middle of an artificial intelligence civil war? If it was like Skynet oh, and cool. the robots from the Matrix like fighting each other, that would be horrible. Oh, it would be awesome to watch watch from like the International Space Station, though. Yeah, you just be like, all right, let's wait, <laughs> let's wait for this yeah, to blow over exactly before we go it. back down there. <laughs> That's actually uh, what if you had a what if you had a setting like that that was like kind of post apocalyptic, but it was it was not an apocalypse that humans were involved in at all. It was literally right, right. two two armies of robots fighting each other, and then humans coming <laughs> yeah. back down to the planet and being like, "All right, well, let's start over." That's a well, really cool setting idea. Yeah, well, it was kind of it was kind of funny because the programmer asked uh, Luna, you know, what she would do about Skynet. You know how how would how would mm-hmm. you handle that? And said uh, uh, her, her idea was brilliant. It was, it, was, it was a kind of computer virus because you know that's the only thing you, that's, that's going to get them. And, and, and the, the thing wasn't to like eradicate it, but was to just dump as much information as you can into it to slow it down. You know, because oh. you're gonna you, you just start. Oh, you know, wow. 
Kind of like overloading it, like overloading a website. Yeah, right? yeah, exactly. Skynet Enough needs packets. to run a disk defragger before it can take over the world. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, hold I, up, let me, I run, imagine. let me run C cleaner here and I'll be good to go. Here's the deal. If Skynet <laughs> takes over, I don't imagine there would be enough data. I imagine they have the servers to uh, to withstand <laughs> such an info dump. That's what I would guess. Well, it's funny because I think it was Elon Musk that was talking about, um, you know, creating free internet via satellite and, you know, having this network of satellites that would give free internet to the world, right? Uh, and uh, and there's already, there's already a petition out there that yeah. he should call it Skynet. <laughs> oh yes, <laughs> you got to have it called Skynet. Oh, We're just man. asking for it at this yeah, point. Yeah, yeah, asking for, for it. <laughs> you want Terminators because that's how you get Terminators. That's how you get Terminators. Because that's how you get Terminators. That's what plays when they turn it on. The, <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were thought you were going to say that's what plays in the Terminator. I did an interesting thing today, which is kind of dorky, but I want to share it. Yeah. Uh, we I organized all of my dice. That wasn't the dorky thing. I, I saw we your organized that. That's, that's pretty dorky, though. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, it, it is kind of dorky. But, but it was spring cleaning. You know, they were on this, <laughs> this bookcase. We're organizing this bookcase, so we organized the dice. And I organized all of the dice by dice type and then held a March Madness bracket challenge <clears throat> for every single die roll-offs, two out of three first round, four out of five every round up until the finals, which was best of seven, and I got my dream team of dice. <laughs> That's wow. amazing. It's exhilarating. It's, I can't believe, you know I, can't what, Parker, believe I didn't have I to pay any money. There, I, I, I didn't have to. I can't believe it was free. I couldn't think of a word to accurately describe that experience, and I, I, was, I was looking for something, and exhilarating was it. I was, that was the word I was looking for was exhilarating. It's the word. Oh if you could only look up a feeling you have in your gut in a thesaurus, you'd be like, oh, there it is. There it is. That's the word. Boom. Well, but I'm glad, okay, I'm glad so that's successful. Though. Cross that off the bucket list. <laughs> it was. Hey, hey, here's the deal, though. Have you never like rolled all your dice to see which rolled the highest? Nope. No, I I sort of um, I don't know, man. I, I I I whenever I get a new set of dice, I I always the first thing I do is I give that d twenty a roll just to mm-hmm. see you know mm-hmm. how it feels and stuff. But then I I sort of move on from there, and I've yeah. I never really give it much thought. You know, a lot of people they do the the test where you put the dice in salt water and stuff, oh, yeah, and, yeah. You, <laughs> and you spin them. And I'm just like I don't care. Like <laughs> it's just yeah. I, you know I don't I don't really I don't really care all that much. But I love the idea that you have your like your Avengers, like the you know you that's Nick, what you were Nick Fury <laughs> visiting these dice. Like I need you for a new a new team. <laughs> yes, because okay, so there I call them this hodgepodge crew, but it's not really because you're right. They're put together with <clears> some <throat> some executive decisions yeah. went into putting these together. But yeah, you're right. You have the mm-hmm. the D twenty, you know, with uh, the red letters and the you know it's pure white. You know, it's like the cleric of the group, and then you have the the percentile dice. Which are both twenty-sided D tens. One is orange and one is red. They're game science. They look disgusting, but the orange one is bigger than the red one. So they're like the brothers from Ocean's Eleven <laughs> on the team. <laughs> we got a balloon boy over here. <laughs> and then uh, one thing, though, I got to tell you: if you do this <clears throat> and you're loyal to it, you know, if you if you do it truthfully, you end up with the most disgusting set of dice. It is. <laughs> 
a catastrophe. I look at it and my eyes vomit. Yeah. See, I that will sometimes bother me if I'm if I'm rolling dice from different sets and like I realize oh, yeah. that the D6s are slightly different sizes or something, I'll be like, "Oh, mm-hmm. we can't have that." But if I'm if I'm yeah. rolling dice during a game, they're usually from the same set. So, I have yeah. my game science dice that are all different colors. I'll roll them together. I have my chess X, I have my Q workshop. You know, I have these awesome uh, fifth edition, the play test dice, the Barker that you sent me as my wedding gift. Like if I'm rolling those, I'm not rolling any other dice. I don't I don't like to to mix and match. But um, yeah, I I don't know, man. That's that's crazy. Well, well, here's a fun fact about Captain Gothnog you might not have known. I've been using the same D20 for about 25, over 25 years now. Wow. That's cool. I mean, I've used other dice for other things, but that D20... That's the one I use. It's the heirloom die. Nice. Yes. The heirloom. Yeah. 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 Nice. I like that. That's cool. My childhood set of dice, um, I wish I still had them. I don't know where they ended up, but I have a I have a replica set. I found a set that looks just like the ones I had when I was a kid. <clears throat> but it would have been cool to still have that that yellow D twenty with the teal numbering would just be yeah. awesome if I still had that. Oh man. yeah. The Why, first D twenty I, I ever rolled. <laughs> I, I still have a D twenty that came with the original set and it's oh man. All, all, it, that was when it had the really, really sharp, sharp corners, and, yep. and eventually they just sort of break and wear down, and, and they, they <laughs> yeah. kind of crumble. It's like obsidian. <clears throat> the dice are made out of obsidian. It would just flake <laughs> off. In the original set, they gave you the, the all the dice, but the, the numbers weren't colored in. They gave you a, an actual crayon yep. with the set so you could color in the numbers. Yeah. I'm actually oh. planning on doing that with the next game science set of dice I get. I want to do the crayon <laughs> method because I've never done the it's, crayon method yeah. before. My, my last game science uh, set, I did a <clears> Sharpie <throat> to, to fill in the numbers, but I'm going to do the crayon next time, man. Uh, gnomes. Uh, gnomes. Gnomes, gnomes. That's a what's a that's segue a bit, for That's gnomes. a bit of a misnomer, Barker. Oh, I was gonna say it's got to be some good gnome puns out there. We could work. Yeah, with. Uh, gnome Chomsky. I do. Gnome Chomsky. That's, that's <laughs> my segue. <laughs> gnome Chomsky gnome is uh, a character in NK. <clears throat> <laughs> uh, 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 <clears throat> A constant hum of busy activity pervades the warrens and neighborhoods where gnomes form their close-knit communities. Louder sounds punctuate the hum. A yelp of surprise or triumph. This tells me nothing about gnomes. What the hell are gnomes? (laughs) That is a good question. That's a good question. I think we're going to attempt to answer that question today, Barker. That's the the twist ending of this. That was me asking you. Oh, man. You just blew my mind, dude. <laughs> the thing I can't understand is it, uh, in at least in our local community, gnomes to be, the, be one of the most vilified races available for the most part. Yeah. Well, maybe except maybe except any that have wings, but other than other than winged, you know, races, gnomes are, are, of are of the core races are the, are the most you know uh, disliked, and I, and I can't figure out why. I mean, I know why I dislike them, but and, and maybe it's for similar reasons. But I know for me. World of Warcraft kind of ruined it for me because I I, I, di- I didn't like their portrayal of gnomes in in that uh, in that video game. Um, I didn't like the yeah. idea of the I I I, I have this thing against bringing in steampunk into my D anD D. You right. know, it's a personal thing. I get that, and, and I don't. You know, 
I don't sure. hate gnomes no, in general, sure. but Every, I don't like. I, I yeah. have a problem with them in my game because of my association with World of Warcraft, and unfortunately, sure. there's nothing else. But I but, mean, like, like you read, they're, they're, just, they're, they're bland. There's they're, there's nothing to them because they have no they have no backstory. You know, the halflings. Even if even if you're not in Tolkien's world, you have the hobbits, and same thing with the elves and the dwarves. You know, you have all this rich sort of backstory where you know whichever novel or uh, fantasy world you take it from they're there but the gnomes just don't have that you know it's either world of warcraft for the for the you know ex- explodey gnomes or the little whimsical bearded guys on your lawn with the tall red hat i think that alex has a really good point in that he says they're kind of nothing like and that's because there Ex- isn't yeah, there isn't a lot of established like lore about yeah. gnomes, right? You, with with halflings, you 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 know what halflings are. With elves, you know what elves are. With gnomes, it's like they're not a Tolkien race. They're not yeah. a you know a standard fantasy race that you that you typically lump in with dwarves and elves and orcs and all of that. And so, to me, gnomes represent they're sort of a thing that you can do whatever you want with. Because they are sort of different. I lump gnomes in with things like tieflings and dragonborn. In Mm -hmm. that, they might not be in every setting. But there's something that is sort of a new fantasy race, relatively new at least, that you can sort of take the the aspects of them and Mm. use them how you will. For me, there's there's two different types of gnomes. There's the tinker gnomes and there's Mm -hmm. the, like, woodland gnomes, right? Yeah. And I think that they they both come from a similar place in that gnomes are very, um, they're very thoughtful, very uh, cerebral, sort of obsessive people. And Mm -hmm. I think that if you're going to include gnomes in your world or you're wanting to play a gnome, it's sort of open to interpretation how you want to play them. If you want to do more of a fae type creature, go for more of a, mm-hmm. you know, almost elf-like dwarf uh, to some extent. Or if you want to go the tinker route and, you know, maybe include some of those elements of being very into magic and artifacts and illusion and things like that, which is, um, mm-hmm. you know, those are sort of the two paths that they've <clears throat> that they've been set on <clears throat> in the past in D&D at least. But see, the minute you get into that, well, they're, they're, they're like a, you know, a dwarf elf kind of thing. You know, it, you're already kind of watering them down by comparing them to the other races. You know what I mean? You're starting to say, well, they're, they're kind of like dwarves in this way. You know, it's like anytime someone starts to explain a movie, it's like, it's kind of like Star Wars meets Dirty Dancing. You know, it's just, then it's not its own movie, is it? You know, it's not, it's not a new story. That's Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> wow, holy crap, it is. <laughs> well done, Barker. That's that's impressive. But but you know you know what I mean when when you know if you're saying well it's kind of like elves elves and dwarves combined you know and, and I guess I I like the fae route that I've been I, and I, I, right now there's a huge gnome vacuum in my world I, I rarely <laughs> use them uh, so in the back of my mind somewhere I I I I have this idea that they are somewhere that there's this gnomish civilization somewhere but I haven't placed it yet yeah and so uh, i'm still <laughs> right kind now of... it's sitting in the trash can you're, <laughs> right. you're looking for another place on the map <laughs> well no, I, but I, I like the idea of the, of the fey thing and, and i but i haven't figured out how to you want to make them fey enough because because the the, well, the elves yeah. the elves are sort of fey-ish but they're not really you know yeah. so I, I i wanted to make them a, a lot more fey than say the elves but i haven't figured out how to do that 
the right way yet. And so um, I guess I'm kind of hoping maybe this will help me to help to inspire me as well because I, I really want gnomes in my world, but I haven't quite figured out figured it out yet. So I've had it in my head for a while that that gnomes and dwarves and halflings are all sort of derived from the same sort of progenitor race. And I don't I don't have mm-hmm. this sort of officially stated in my setting or anything like that because it's so far back in history that <clears throat> no one would know for sure. But the theory is that at one point there was one race mm-hmm. and then there was this thing where the material plane, the Shadowfell and the Feywild all sort of merged together for a while. And as a result of that, you have the dwarves who are connected to the material plane. You have the halflings, which are connected to the Shadowfell, which sort of plays into their sneaky abilities and their roguey abilities. And the gnomes, which are connected to the Feywild. And so you sort of have this triangle um, similar to almost like a humans, elves, and orcs sort of scenario. And where they're similar, but very, very (laughs) different. And so with gnomes, mm-hmm. I think that that's smart, Alex, like wanting to really, really play up the fey aspect, almost yeah. making them somewhat alien, I think is really right. smart. Um, in uh, Tim and James from Tabletop Terrors, their setting of Dragon Grin, the gnomes of their world are literally aliens. They're from another dimension that oh, they sort of got stranded on the material mm-hmm. plane. And so they're very much outsiders, strangers, very alien in appearance and the way that their culture works. And so I think that going in, in that direction hard, like veering off in that direction, Mm. really, 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 um, sort of sets them apart and makes them very different from like you're saying, Alex, like instead of likening them to dwarves or halflings or elves, making Mm -hmm. them their own thing. Every, you know, elves fit in a, in a setting, in a D&D setting in a certain way. And you can do a lot of different things with elves. And of course you have the two types of high elves and wood elves and whatnot. And you, you can, you can have fun with them, and a lot of people do in a lot of creative ways. A thing like Dragonborns, uh, Dragonborn and Tieflings, those, those sorts of races, it's a little bit easier, though, because it's almost like it's expected for, like, here, you got to homebrew mm. this into your setting. Yeah. Same with Warforged, right? Warforged were designed for Eberron, mm. and for every other setting, you kind of have to think of your own setting's reason for their being there. Right, yeah. Right. Gnomes, uh, like you said, Matt, treating them the same way has educated me a little bit. I used to be a hater, and that's a hate with a capital eight. <laughs> that is, I could not stand gnomes because mm. of the reasons I said earlier. I just, I, I thought they were garden gnomes. And then <laughs> Matt played one. Yeah. And Matt, you played this, you played this gnome that I th- thought was really awesome. This, and we're not going to go into Oren, but really, <laughs> really made me feel like. This is this is something that needs to be in my world, Alex. Like you're saying, yeah. you know, I'm just waiting for that moment, that spark. And the thing that I did was something similar to what you are trying to, you know, think about doing, right? It's, it's mm-hmm. uh, and it's similar to what Matt has done with kind of this progenitor race. There's this progenitor mm-hmm. race on Enkea, but they're not progenitors in that they, uh, you know, evolved into the other races in that in in that way. They're progenitors in that they utilized these hot zones of magic on the this continent, and they and they subjected people, uh, tribal native people, into these you know locations and experimented on people and and mm-hmm. and harnessed magic in in strange ways, oftentimes horrifying ways, mm-hmm. and created gnomes almost on accident. Yeah. There, every race on NK is kind of tied to that sort of beginning that sort of wild magic that existed it helped a lot because 
all of a sudden these gnomes were real people with a real country, with real mm-hmm. names, with yeah. real goals, and they were no longer in Travelocity commercials or across <laughs> the street from my house in the front yard sitting under a tumbleweed for the last six months. Well, I actually had a friend who had an interesting backstory for them. Uh, they they were originally halflings, and um, some of them migrated to this to this strange uh, land. I forget where it was in relation to the main uh, continent, but they they went off somewhere else, and something about that place changed them, and they so they they evolved a different way, and so it was it was uh, uh, I mean it still tied them to the halflings, but. The, the way the way it was constructed kind of made sense, you know. They had right. been, um, they'd gone, you know, not just millennia ago, but you know, tens of thousands of of years ago. And the, um, I forget whether it was magic or some sort of uh, uh, dimensional uh, rift or something like that. But whatever it was, it it <clears throat> it influenced them over time, so they became magical in kind of a different way. And and they, you know, they began changing their appearance and 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 that. All that influenced them. So by the time ah. they came back, they were kind of sort of reconnected with the world. They were basically a new race at that point. I've seen people do it before <laughs> where gnomes are like a almost like a half-breed race that mm-hmm. have yep. evolved from like, you know, pairings between dwarves and humans or dwarves and halflings, you know, and yeah. having them be yeah. connected to those races but, but different all the same. And so mm-hmm. I think that there's another thing you can do where it's like, don't necessarily shy away from the similarities between dwarves Mm. or halflings, but rather sort of come up with a reason why they would be similar, you know, because I think gnomes are probably most connected to dwarves, honestly, because they're very Mm -hmm. industrious. They're, you know, they like to build and they like to create. They're sort of, from a mythological standpoint, they're connected Mm -hmm. to the earth. You know, they're very, you know, dwarves and gnomes in mythology are very, very similar creatures. And so um, I think that, you know, maybe sort of coming up with a reason why gnomes and dwarves are so similar. Are they like Alex, like you're saying, like maybe dwarves set up a colony somewhere and, and, you know, came back thousands of years later and they're gnomes now, um, mm. you know, maybe think about that and don't shy away necessarily from those similarities because, right. you know, they are similar. Now it's weird because y- you say that they're, they most, they more closely resemble dwarves. And I was going to say elves. I feel like they are on the elf side, on that face side, and I, I don't want to get back to, well, it's Star Trek meets uh, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, which I'll leave that to you, which what, what that movie is. But they have the kind of high, well, high elf kind of quality, right? Don't they? Don't they? Mm. Aren't there Aren't there a couple types? And the you say the they're kind of builders and tinkerers and stuff. But mm-hmm. I don't know too much about gnomish history. Isn't that a kind of a relatively new thing? Isn't that like a Blizzard kind of Warcraft thing? Haven't gnomes before then been just kind of like like what were they in Second Edition? Hmm. Were they tinkers well, in Second Edition? In, in Dragonlance, the gnomes were tinkers. Like that's yeah. I think that's the first. Okay, the cool. first, that was when like, they introduced. I think wasn't it? Yeah, in, I'm, in pre- I'm almost. I'm pretty sure it was Dragonlance because I remember I remember huh. reading the Dragonlance books and the gnomes were like builders and tinkerers and stuff in, in the Dragonlance setting in Kryn. And then later on in like Warcraft when they have the gnomes and the gnomes are sort of are very very similar to they are in like Dragonlance. Yeah, I think that's sort of <clears> you know you know spurred on that that sort of thing and now in fifth edition you have the two different kinds of gnomes you have the rock gnomes and you have the wood or the forest gnomes right and the rock gnomes are the tinkerers and the forest Mm. gnomes are like you're saying barker more connected to 
magic and nature and things like that. Yeah. More similar to like elves. Yeah. And I think, and I really want to dive into just Mm. Orin a little bit because I feel like that Orin might be the reason I related them to elves. Oh, totally. Yeah. Orin is a freaking fey monster. I mean, he's just, (laughs) he's feral. He's got bestial qualities and physical qualities that are kind of like a more like a raccoon or something than, than, than a gnome. Um, And and he kicks ass with a wand, yeah. And that was that was the thing that kind of did it for me. I don't know what it was, but it was seeing a gnome. You you were just descri- describing him doing some some John Wick level wand play, <laughs> and and it was it was kind of <clears throat> like you know what I like about gnomes now they're tiny, so they can flip around and do crazy <laughs> stuff like that. Yeah. So you know as a uh, ninjas or something in your setting or like spies, assassins, you know, gnomes are small and compact and they mm. might even be hired on as mercenaries or taken and captured and maybe used as a, a, a leech for their magical abilities yeah. or something like that. Like they're, right. they're, they're fey. Cause when I think of gnome, I think of someone who's tied to the fey, tied yeah. to the earth in some way that a human or even an elf isn't. Yeah, totally. Having gnomes be more in tune with the fae than elves are. Like, elves have spent too much time on the material plane and they've turned away from their, you know, fey sort of ancestry, whereas gnomes are yep. a little bit more mm. primal and connected to it. I think that's definitely a, a, you yeah. know, a route that you can take with them. Elves are like first world gnomes. <laughs> yeah. Gnomes are like gnomes. <laughs> They're just gnomes, man. They're just okay. gnomes, man. You guys, I just did a little bit of research, and Ooh. gnomes actually do go back to first edition. Okay. Um, uh, they're in the Monster Manual, but they're also in the Player's Handbook. In the original Monster Manual, it says, similar to their larger cousins, dwarves. So, at least, you know, the canon for first edition, they were related to the dwarves. Okay, yeah. yeah. but no one ever liked first edition. That that never caught on. <laughs> so they can just... Whatever. No one played that game. <laughs> Whoever yeah. did that, that's crazy talk. Yeah, first um, edition. Uh, try fifth edition, okay? Fifth edition <laughs> is four more editions than that, all right? Oh. God, man, I feel like an idiot. That sound like... Uh, yeah, I'm... Just no, I don't mean it. Continue. <laughs> but, I, but I want... Are gnomes, do they have that kind of tinker quality that you were talking about? Like, what, what are the differences that you're finding? Uh, there's, there's actually not a lot of lore in the, uh, even in the monster, even in the original monster manual, um, based on clans, uh, likewise, uh, nope, not too much information. Um, go back to the part. That was, do you guys remember that in fourth edition when the gnome was a monster and not a playable race? That was weird. Uh, do you remember when half orc wasn't a playable race? Yes, I do remember that. that I remember was weird. I remember opening go. the fourth the fourth edition player's handbook and being like, okay, there's elves, there's humans, there's dwarves, there's dragonborn and tieflings. What the hell is going on here? Where's <laughs> yeah. gnomes, what, damn it? What is this place? Yeah. <laughs> yep. That's exactly I've, I've definitely come around on Dragonborn and Tieflings <laughs> in, in recent years, yeah. but at the at the height of fourth edition, I was like, no. <laughs> nope. Creative people turned me on to Dragonborn, Tieflings, and Gnomes. I'm serious. Yeah. It's 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 looking around, it's seeing it done well. And then it's kind of realizing that, hey, 
This is a stupid idea if it's just <laughs> there's Dragonborn in the world. Yeah. But you can make it into a good idea by right. coming up with a more unique reason there's Dragonborn in your world. But yeah. other than that, yeah, it's kind of like, it's just an excuse for people who play D&D to play as dragons. Yeah, it's true. I'm like, I'm... <laughs> I'm on the gnome Wikipedia page right now. This is like a crash course, man. All right, hold, so they're on, like, hold up. Okay, and is like, there a gnome? Is there a gnome, Linda? <laughs> I need to watch all of. There's 19 hours. Um, so in Eberron, they're known as ice gnomes, and they dwell in the region of Frostfell. Uh, in Mistara, they're known as sky gnomes, and they live in a floating city, which is pretty cool. Uh, mm. In in Kryn, the Dragonlance setting, they're known as tinker gnomes. We talked about that. Yeah. Um, there's also Swerf Neblin, which are uh, deep gnomes, which I uh, have a deep and abiding love for because of the Dritz novels where he encounters a uh, a deep gnome that has a pickaxe and a hammer for hands because his hands were cut off. Hmm. Um, huh. River gnomes, arcane gnomes, man, chaos now, this gnomes, is whisper gnomes. A gnome is a diminutive spirit in Renaissance magic and alchemy, first introduced by Paracelsus in the 16th century and later adopted by more recent authors, including those of modern fantasy literature. Its characteristics have been reinterpreted to suit the needs of various storytellers, but it is typically said to be a small humanoid that lives underground. Now, I didn't realize living underground was part of the deal. Mm, yeah. Yeah. It's a hobbit. It's a, it's hobbit. a halfling. It's a I hobbit. think... It's a hobbit. Three or four hobbits. Four hobbits. Four hobbits. It's a horf. We've a got horf. some nice hobbit-sized rooms for you. Um, what about gnome-sized? Are you come yeah, on triggered? Racist. <laughs> I think when you get down to it, what are what are okay? If you had to say, let's go around. If you had to say right. one thing that you think is like a core feature of gnomes, like if we're talking about dwarves, you're like they're they're smiths, they're warriors, mm-hmm. they have beards. Like those are the three things about dwarves that are typically. The same across all types of dwarves. What about gnomes? What about gnomes? Uh, okay, so I'm going to take the easy one and immediately say they have to be short. It's short in stature. They have okay. to be small, small like, almost like child sized. Yeah. Right. Yep. Okay. All right. I'm I'm going to say highly magical. Yeah. Uh, going going with my sort of fey uh, direction there. I'm going to say I'm going to throw a curveball in here and I'm going to say eccentric. <gasps> I'm going to say that gnomes are typically a little eccentric. They're a little obsessive. They're a little too passionate about the things that they're into, whether it be mm-hmm. magic or the, you know, the study of uh, magic or, um, you know, tinkering or whatever. But I think that gnomes are typically uh, fairly eccentric cultures, at least to, hmm. you know, an outside perspective. I think absolutely right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Another, I think that's, yeah. Here's another thing I forgot is gnomes – and animals like in most editions i remember in pathfinder at least and i think this is in fifth edition too gnomes have an innate ability to communicate with animals which is interesting yeah, yeah that actually goes back to first edition they could talk to burrowing animals particularly oh cool okay mm-hmm. yeah i like the idea of the, of the the uh like their their uh quirkiness like you said i think and that cuz that would tie in with my world if they if they are indeed sort of separated from the other races Having them as you know, sort of recently reintroduced, that they're not used to dealing with other other species of of intelligent beings, perhaps. So, right, you know, they're 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 still learning. They're still learning to cope with that idea. So that that can kind of work. Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe that's one of the defining things that could help people sort of create uh, a gnomish 
culture in their world is that maybe they're just maybe they're always you know strange outsiders you know that they're, they're yeah. you know never really um not that they didn't get along with anyone but that they didn't fit in yeah it's almost like they're they're outsiders on the material plane whether they're yeah. you know more connected to the feywild or from another <clears throat> dimension or right. isolated from the other cultures or whatever they're they they have sort of that they feel like outsiders both interacting with them and also they themselves kind of feel like that. Well, I, gotta, I think I, you end I, up being I, in a... I got to write something down. Um, it's for the idea, <laughs> the idea you can steal later. Oh, perfect. <clears throat> I, that's cheating. Uh, <laughs> uh, Paracelsus, and I, I feel like I'm pronouncing that name wrong, uh, classified them as earth elementals. Yeah. And that's a kind of a cool little way to to, to look at them as, mm-hmm. as like you said, you're saying, so removed <clears throat> from... The world, but actually removed from society, attached to the world, too attached yeah. to the world, yeah. as you said, Matt, obsessively attached. Mm-hmm. Uh, that that Earth elemental tie is kind of neat. I was going to say pointy hat it has to have a pointy hat, or else it's not a gnome. <laughs> <laughs> Orin doesn't have a pointy hat. He has spiky hair, though. He's not a gnome. He's a uh, he's um, gnomey is a synonym of pygmy. He's a pygmy. He's a pygmy. That's what I'm calling him <laughs> until Orin, he gets his Orin pointy hat the back. Pygmy. His owl is a pygmy owl. If that's that is that's oh, kind of funny. That's true. Mm. Yeah, they, the plot thickens. Let's defend gnomes. Let's jump on the gnome side here. Yeah, right. and let's uh, because I, I find one of the things we like to do in Abtab is we like to have yes meetings. Mm-hmm. It's basically what we say is all right. Here's here's this idea that I have. We're gonna say no to this idea. We're all gonna say no. We all agree we're gonna say no to this idea. Let's all say yes to this idea for the next ten minutes and just talk about why it'll work. Why it's the best right. idea ever. Yeah. It's like having and a so debate let's do with the yourself. Same. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so let's do the same thing to this question. Let's answer the question. Uh, like, why should a character, why should a player play a gnome instead of a halfling or a dwarf <clears throat> or an elf or a, a tiefling or a dragonborn or one of those other characters that we're talking about? Why Why go gnome? Alex, jump jump on board the train first. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say because they are uh, kind of ill-defined and because they are quirky. So it kind of leaves them open to playing them almost any way you want. You know, you're not yeah. tied to, you know, oh, it's second breakfast or uh, I'm, I'm a stuck up elf, so I'm better than you or I'm a dwarf, so I break shit, you know, and talk like this. You know, you, yeah. you're not tied to that. You, you can do yeah. almost anything you want with it and, 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 uh, and be right. <laughs> and you be know? right. Yeah. Yeah, I think um... – I think because they add a little bit of levity, they add a little mm-hmm. bit of lightheartedness, I think, just sort of naturally. And this obviously depends on how you're <clears throat> going to use them. But sure. I think that, you know, having them be a little bit more whimsical than a typical fantasy race, having them be a little eccentric like we were talking about. You know, maybe they're children of the forest. Maybe they're mm-hmm. sort of eccentric tinkerers, however you want to do them. Yeah. But I think that, you know, in in a fantasy world where things can get a little dark and a little violent, it's important to introduce a little levity. And I think that, you know, if you <laughs> happen upon a gnome who needs help with, you know, I'm I'm building a repeating crossbow and I need help, like I mm-hmm. need parts, you yeah. know, like that's kind of a fun, weird, <clears throat> wonky sort of quest yeah. that doesn't feel so outside the realm of fantasy. But at the same time, it yeah. is a little bit of lightheartedness amidst the darkness. Uh, I, I also like to point out that the uh like when you talk about them being kind of comic relief it that they can be funny 
but they don't necessarily have to be silly or goofy or exactly. You know, there, there are a lot of ways you can you can bring that in. Sometimes it's just enough to be, you know, the the sort of fish out of water observing what's going on and and not understanding. You yeah. know, um, yeah. You know, why is that happening? I don't know. You know, and it, the, the situation can be funny, but it doesn't mean that you have to play the character as a buffoon or the you know, the 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 punchline of every joke. That kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I mean, so we, or, yeah. Oh, we we did a triple interruption there. That was that has never happened before. <laughs> that was a train wreck. That was all three of us running our shopping carts into each other at the at the uh, grocery store there. <laughs> go, go I think we say platform nine and three quarters. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, platform nine and three quarters. No, but like, uh, uh, take it. You know, we talked about Guardians of the Galaxy previously in the episode. Like a rocket raccoon or a Groot. You know, they mm. are funny characters. They add a lot of comedic relief and a lot of levity, but they're still badasses. Like they still oh, do yeah. cool stuff, and they're still yeah. like you wouldn't want to mess with them. And so, like, think about a gnome like that's sort of like Rocket Raccoon, where they're they have all these crazy gadgets oh. and devices, and they're always building and <laughs> jerry rigging things. Or yep. maybe they're more like a Groot, where they're a creature of nature and they don't really understand what's going on, but at the same time, they are very wise and they're yeah. and they can kick ass, you know. Yeah. What and what if I said you could be both broody and that sort of yep. uh, uh, levity esque character? No. Because look at Orin. <laughs> Orin is t- filled with levity because you have Pebble, who's kind of a lighthearted familiar, but Orin is still kind of this character that's serious and mm-hmm. calm and almost collected <laughs> to a point where it's that's what's weird about him is how collected he is. Uh, but still in a different way offers that sort of levity. I think Mm -hmm. I just realized that Orin is Groot and Pebble is Rocket (laughs) Raccoon. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Do you want to take a question from the listeners? Yes. Let's take a question. There were some good ones. Avocado. uh, (laughs) 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 All right. Roll up and die. Uh, Listeners, if you go to <laughs> facebook.com slash roll up and die, uh, whenever we do one of these newfangled episodes, podcast episodes, we will put our topic up on the Facebook page and then you will put your question in the comments. The question with the most likes will get answered. Sometimes we'll snag a couple. We'll see. Um, <laughs> today, we actually have two ties, so we'll answer a couple questions. There is there to- is one that has more likes, Barker. I see two sixes. I oh, see a nine. Oh. I see a nine, my friend. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. oh my. <laughs> That's not a question, bro. It's not a question, but it's got the most likes. Oh, <laughs> the thing with the most likes says, please have Michael Barker spend a few minutes talking <laughs> like a gnome. Okay. <laughs> so. <clears throat> Hey guys, welcome to Roll Up and Die. My name is Bucky. <laughs> okay, so fun fact. The highest pitched thing you just heard, listeners, was Matt's laugh. And I'm not entirely <laughs> sure that he was pretending to have a high-pitched voice there. No, that was just me. That was just what I sound like. No, oh my. no that was a, that was a, that's a laugh, man. Sometimes I give those off. All right. Yeah. I'm going to decide later whether or not this is going <clears> to <throat> go in the episode. <laughs> I'm going to leave that for future Barker to decide. <laughs> future Barker? Good luck. Godspeed. <laughs> that's, 
That's my life. Okay, so this question comes in from a Jeremy B. <clears throat> when dealing with gnomes, I find it difficult to choose where and how they fit into the world. Often just for comic relief in a lot of settings, they seem kind of left out or not taken seriously. What are some ways to include them and not put them in the box of woodland sprites or reclusive haberdashers, haberdashers and their haberdasheries? So, you know, we talked about a few things, but let's come up with some specific unique types of gnomes. Like, you know, how about a, a type of gnome religious order? Uh, or something like uh, a cleric uh, uh, of gnomes that specializes in alchemy, like a, a holy water type of gnome, uh, maybe like a, a James Bond's cue to the, uh, the, 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 the paladin that one of the players is playing as. That'd be awesome. <laughs> he would sound like this. Hello, James. Hello. <laughs> Look at oh this my. new holy water. Okay, that would I'll, definitely I'll be an NPC that everyone would really enjoy, and that you wouldn't Hello. get sick of portraying at all. Never, never. Um, I actually, I had a thought while we were sort of talking, and uh, maybe the gnomes in your world are like super reclusive, very mm-hmm. rare, hard to find, but they're masters of building constructs to the point where, mm-hmm. like, if you're like they sell like golems and stuff to like kingdoms. And Mm. if your golem is on the fritz, they send somebody out and you like, you're like the gnomes coming today. And they're like, what? Yeah. The gnomes coming today to fix the golem. And everyone's like, Oh my God. And like the gnome finally shows up and everyone's just like terrified of this gnome because they don't know what he's capable of. They Mm. build these incredible machines. Their, their minds work in a completely different way. They're, they're almost alien. Like we were talking about earlier and imagining like, the day the gnome came to fix the golem. Like that's <laughs> yeah. like, have it be like a big deal in that kingdom and have them be very rare, very secretive sort of engineer types. Uh, if you want to go darker with it, maybe you could have them as, you know, a race of slaves that they were either bred or, and you know, created a long time ago to simply serve the cities of men. And so maybe they, uh, you know, they, they, they work in the sewers, they work in, um, you know, in, in, in waste, they work in, um, places that the humans don't want to, you know, do stuff. And so they, these are, um, uh, uh that, that's sort of the backstory. They don't have a homeland. They don't have a culture. They were, they were bred for this and this alone. And that's, and so that's, that's all they've done is to be slaves. And that, that can open up a whole sort of storyline for your campaign as well. You know, a, a slave uprising, you know, the, these these gnomes now want you know rights. They want a place of their own. They that they've yeah. never had. What do they do? And so you can actually sort of uh, role play the genesis of this new kind of of people. Yeah, yeah. Have you seen Warcraft the 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 <clears throat> new movie? Yeah. You you don't need to if you haven't. No. Like it's not. No. I okay. So the thing that that no. if you want to see magic shown <clears throat> right. Watch that movie. Oh, it's kick-ass. It cool. Every, yeah, it everything really magic is just great, right? Yeah. Um, there's this <clears throat> specific type of magic that this kind of antagonist necromancer type of person uses where he will hold up his hand and he will pull the soul out of a person. And he will get, it gets more powerful every time he does this. It's almost like mm. he's recharging his battery, right? And, and he uses all of this magic around him and it poisons the landscape and everything. 
Mm-hmm. I imagine the gnomes as slaves being used kind of like that. Mm. Uh, there's a uh, <clears throat> an image in a comic that I love called the Red Star, where there's this sorceress who's strapped inside of a barrel of a gun. The barrel's huge, right? It's this massive cannon. Mm. And she's strapped inside, and every time they fire it, it uses the magic within her to fire the weapon out. And it's just a capital ship-esque weapon, so it's huge. A huge explosion. The other ship crashes, whatnot. Imagine that being gnomes in your world. People who have been mm. strapped into machines harnessed for their magical ability and it's not just magical ability it's that that route to the world root to the natural world and to life itself and to the fey and to the other planes that we were talking about before that drives these i don't know evil machinations that they are strapped to they're like uh conduits for natural magic like you can't you can't pull magic out of the world you have to do it through a gnome because they're connected to the world right yeah, That'd yeah, be, that would absolutely. be kind of cool. <clears throat> yeah, Very or cool. uh, it's sort of like um, Alex, your idea made me think of uh, how elves are portrayed in the Dragon Age games and the and the books and stuff. Like oh, they're yeah. they're they're slaves, and when you see mm-hmm. them, they're usually either out like wandering around in these sort of loose tribes being free or they're serving in cities as servants and slaves and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's like s- such a different take on elves, you know, having an elf serve a human and, you know, be their, their servant is so is, you know, sort of against the typical fantasy, but you know, maybe you, you go is. into a city and you see gnomes, you know, doing servant stuff you yeah. know, hang, and if they're, and if they're not slaves, <clears throat> if they're free, you know, they can't get a job and they're just like uh. hanging out in the gutters in the alleyways. And, you know, guards are coming by with their halberds. Oh, get out of there. Get the, you know, flushing the gnomes out of the alleyways, you know, and, uh, <laughs> You know, a little more than rats, you know? Well, actually, the way you just described it made me think of the house elves from Harry Harry Potter. Yeah, like house elves. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah, man. There you go. (laughs) Okay, so those were some good answers. It's almost poetic here. The next question, which has an equal number of likes, from Nathan P., asks almost the opposite. Hmm. Nathan asks, how do you distinguish gnomes from other races and make them seem interesting without reinventing them entirely? They seem to have bits of halfling, dwarf, and elf, right? We've talked about that. Yeah. Um, but how do you do it without reinventing them, like making them all slaves? Making, if you, let's say you want to play just a gnome. How do you distinguish the gnome from the halfling and the dwarf in in physical features, in emotional features, Matt, you mentioned eccentric. What other things can we think of? Well, you kind of have to consider. You, I don't know if you can separate it from the backstory because that's that that's going to define how, what their actions are. Like you're not going to see wisecracking gnomes if they're slaves like that, you know. So I mean, well, that's it, yeah, that's it, true. A lot of it really does depend on your on your on your backstory, I guess, because if you know that's going to shape who they are. Well, and we, I mean, we came up with some pretty interesting ideas there that weren't necessarily reinventing gnomes entirely. Like, mm, Barker, you said, yeah. you know, accessing gnomes as slaves or conduits for magic because they are connected to the Feywild, you know, and that's sort of, yeah. that's in keeping with the general idea of gnomes oh, yeah. or, you know, yeah. they're masters of creating constructs, you know, that sort of fits in with the tinkerer gnomes, even if you've made them sort of shadowy, secretive 
sort of construct mm-hmm. guild instead of a whimsical sort of magic race. So I think that, yeah. you know, like you do with any sort of race that you're trying to, quote unquote, you know, skin for your world, whether you have elves that are sort of like samurai or humans that are all, you know, pirates that live on, you know, boats, like you retain the mm-hmm. core of the race and then just kind of turn it on its head a little bit, you know, make it fresh and familiar at the same time. You can do the same yeah. thing with gnomes. Just identify what you like Smart, about yeah. gnomes and try to retain those things. I think if you could do yeah. one thing is maybe figure out how they see the world. Yeah. You know, what's 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 their view of it? You know, what how do they relate to it? You know, humans are um you know, they're they're conquerors. They 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 take things. They're elves and dwarves and, and halflings. They all have their own sort of little personality and, and their own view of the world, you know, and how they relate yeah. to it. Gnomes like I said, a lot of times don't have that. So find, you know, come up with what that is for them. You know, yeah. are are they That's smart? You know, connected to the Fae? Are, so do they? Do they see the world through Fae eyes? Do they see it through extra dimensional eyes? Do they see them through the eyes of uh, people who are connected to the elemental planes? You know, whatever it happens to be that yeah that and that's gonna col- that's gonna color their view of everything, and that's gonna also suggest how they can be played and, you know, what their culture would be like. Something very specific I would do is I would distinguish gnomes from other races by making them the master craftsmen. Now, we've talked about constructs. We've talked about machinations and gunpowder and stuff like that. That's Mm -hmm. not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the crafting of swords. Mm -hmm. You don't hear about gnomes who are excellent wep like uh uh blacksmiths of of fine daggers and blades you don't really hear about that because there's a lot of machines and cogs and gears and smoke and pulleys and stuff what if you know the the dwarves maybe do the mining but what if kind of like you know matt was mentioning what if mm-hmm. if people you know if they say oh the the armorers coming to town the the mm. the, the swordsmiths coming to town and everyone's like oh it's the gnome you know because they yeah. they live in again reclusive lives that's not changing that's not reinventing them it's still reclusive still underground mm-hmm. but they've got to deal they've got to do business with the people on the surface and uh and so i think mm-hmm. in that way not only the the swordsmithing but the the doing business with uh, all of the different uh, people of the realm, maybe they're kind of mercantile, mercantilistic, mercantile uh, merchants. That's what the word I'm looking mm-hmm. for. What yeah. if, <laughs> what like if third time's the charm? Guys. Yeah. What if what if gnomish society is more <laughs> merchant esque than uh, mm-hmm. than usual? I, I like the idea of them being like really good weaponsmiths. It's almost like yeah. in Breaking Bad, like Heisenberg. <laughs> you know, he's a chemistry teacher, so he's really really <laughs> good at making drugs. Like. What if you had a gnome? It's like they they understand metallurgy and chemistry. It's like that's mm-hmm. sword making, you know? And so they make these yep. really sharp, yep. really hard to break swords because they like, they don't just hammer out some, some steel. They get the right oil. They get the right, <laughs> you know, temperature. They like sit there and make sure that it's the exact temperature they need it to be when they're heating it, you know, yeah. things like that. Like they're yeah. just master craftsmen. Well, let's combine the master craftsmen of swords with the uh, kind of capitalistic tendencies and make mm-hmm. them war profiteers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. And make a faction sure. of gnomish war profiteers. Yeah, absolutely. That would be, you know, they got gnomish steel, steel on their side. The, you know, the, the side <laughs> yeah. that has the, that has gnomish steel is the side that wins. That's right. the proverb. 
We've gone we've gone over our hour. Can that be our idea they can steal? I think that's absolutely an idea they can steal. <laughs> <laughs> I think Alex needs to add something to it. Yeah, well, I was I was thinking about this that one of the things that occurred to me is maybe they you know, and, and it kind of ties into what I said about them seeing the world differently. Maybe they literally see differently. Like what if they can see either you know, into the Feywild. Like they can see it sort of superimposed over our world as they as they just walk through life and they can see both, you know? Or another thought I had, which is this is a little further out on the on the on the on the edge, but it would really set them apart, is what if they perceive time differently than than every other race does? You know, what if what if yeah. they had what if they can see slightly into the future and 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 the future and the past are kind of the same to them? You know, so maybe you know, maybe they're chronomancers. Maybe they can, you know, manipulate time that. even. You know, any of pick, that pick, stuff, pick, man. Pick, I'm some, on pick board something time. new. You know, something that nothing else, no one else has. Oh, you know, man. Now, I know. I know a lot of GMs out there are probably like cringing at the thought of you know bring time manipulation into a D and D game. No, no, but, but that advice. But, do yeah, some small ways. Yeah, and do something yeah. you're doing. Do something no one else yeah. has done. Make yeah. make gnome gnomes the <clears throat> the sailors of the world, right? Just yeah. takes a, a staple that exists somewhere else and just combine the two to make something unique. You're absolutely right. Even yeah, I, I love that advice, Alex. And you you wouldn't necessarily need them to be like traveling through time, but they just right. they perceive time differently. They don't necessarily see it on a linear line. Maybe they look at time as a continuum, and they can kind of like not glimpse the future necessarily, but they're not sure what's happened before and what is has yet to happen because they don't look at it the same way. And that sort of oh, lends yeah. it to their, and, and you know, their eccentric nature. Did either of you guys see Men in Black 3, I think it was? I don't think so. Is that the one where Tommy Lee Jones has to be re-recruited and he can't remember anything? Well, it was, it was a time travel one um, where yeah. uh, uh, Will Smith's character had to, uh, to go back in time to stop... Uh, um, Tommy Lee Jones character from being killed. Oh, but and uh, it's a J and K by the way. Yeah, sorry, that one actor was in, it and he played young Lee Tom, Tommy Lee Jones. What is that guy's name? Oh, well, he, he's yeah, really he's, good. he's playing Brolin. Thanos. Josh, yeah, Brolin. he's playing Thanos, man. Yeah, yeah, Josh Brolin. Yep, <laughs> he's got the job for it. But no, yeah, um, but there was a, but there was an alien character in there, and and he perceived time differently. He could, you know, and the way he talked was kind of interesting. If if you're gonna, by the way, if anyone's gonna run gnomes in that way uh this would be the the kind of character to look at because when 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 they're talking to him you know he he, he kind of knows what's going on uh but he says uh well i either it's the future where uh where i get shot or it's the future where someone spills a drink on me i'm not sure which it is yet you know and, and, <laughs> <laughs> that kind of thing it's like oh no oh no it's that future you know as, as it as it's happening it's like he can perceive this this sort of uh uh you know, cone of futures radiating out in front of him. Yeah. But he's not sure which one is going to kind of coalesce yet, you know? So uh, that could be a kind of interesting way to run. Yeah. I love time travel in games, period, man. I just love messing with it. And uh, <laughs> speaking of that, no, no, speaking of that, the game will be passed by the time this is posted, Mr. Barker. Okay, never mind. Unless, unless you want to just, like, Pretend? edit it in about 20 minutes We're, and post it tomorrow morning. There you go. I'm saying, if you think about it, we are time traveling right now we are in the future right now and then later when we listen to this we'll be in the past people who are listening to this right now have maybe already seen the winds of sursaline 
They've Whereas, already seen it. People who are listening to this right, right now, now have all, oh my God. In the past, we we yeah. haven't even played that session yet, Barker. We haven't even we're played the hours, session. We're 24 hours out from playing that <laughs> this session. This is too meta for me. This is oh, too meta. Man. This isn't. But what if it doesn't get played for some reason? Oh, God. What oh, if, my gosh. And now it's a, pa- it's a possible, it's a it's different a timeline. Uh, no, now I'm happy you brought that up, Alex, because now I, now I can make a joke about that instead of just feeling bad for canceling at the last minute. <laughs> Oh, man. Give you a note. What you've just listened to has been produced by Roll Up and Die and is copyright 2017. How official. The games, films, TV shows, and other stuff we talked about during this episode are the properties of their respective owners. So be sure to borrow nicely, okay? Any snippet, portion, clip, or other synonym for part of this show can absolutely be used in other media so long as credit is given to the Roll Up and Die podcast. You can find all three of the primary hosts on YouTube and other websites. Matt can be found at youtube.com slash a fistful of dice. Barker can be found at youtube.com slash be a better game master. And both of their work can be found at www.absolutetabletop.com. Captain Gothnog is also on YouTube at youtube.com slash Captain Gothnog, and his work can be found on DriveThruRPG under Critical Hit Publishing. Be sure to keep track of us on iTunes at rollupanddie.podbean.com or on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash rollupanddie. Have a fantastic day, everybody, and as always, happy gaming. I have to say before we jump into this that I was I was super pumped about talking about gnomes tonight and then we got into it and Barker's like what is a gnome and I was like shit I don't know I don't know man Dude. I've played like six gnomes like two of my favorite characters of all time have been gnomes and I'm like uh and I'm I think I finally know an answer to that question Barker well okay all right the so, answer to your um, question what is a gnome it's they're whatever you want them to be they're it depends on the setting and it depends on the character. And I think that's, that's true of all races. It's just that with gnomes, you don't have as much sort of like baggage as an elf or a dwarf or a human would, because we know all about those races. And so don't look at gnomes necessarily as undeveloped. Look at them as like we were saying, like you can kind of do whatever you want with them. They're the couscous of races. They are the couscous (laughs) of races. As Alex said, they're bland, they're, they've got nothing to them, so they take on the flavor of what you put them yeah, in. Yeah, you, you cook them in some chicken stock, man. All of a sudden, it's like, oh, this is pretty good. <laughs> this is some damn good chicken this stock is couscous. Some, this is some good gnome. <laughs> I've become Lando Calrissian <laughs> for some reason. <laughs> Hello, what do we have here? We have chicken stock with couscous. I'm sorry, they arrived just before you did. Are we just going to say right. Lando lines now? <laughs> <laughs> I've been... I'm happy you're here oh to eat my. this couscous with us among the clouds. This deal's what? getting worse all the time. <laughs> <laughs>